We've been talking about plenteous. And uh, from this verse of scripture here in Matthew 9, verse 36, it says, actually we'll read verse 37. It said, then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus here. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful or plenteous, depending on the translation. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Was he sitting there one day, you know, with his disciples and a bunch of cows are around and he's looking at a field and he said, you know what? The harvest is plenteous. And they said, we see that. But actually, that is not the context by which Jesus was talking about a harvest. If you go back to the verse before, let's read verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, crowds upon crowds of people, he was moved with compassion or love for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Isn't it interesting? Jesus knew what the problem was with humanity and knew what the answer was for humanity. And I'll tell you what, I don't care what news station you watch, they don't know the answer. They don't. Because they'll say things like this, you know, there was a murder, or these people are killing themselves, and, and they'll, they'll say things like this, we need to outlaw guns. I was talking to a lady from uh, England to, this week, and she said, I don't understand why they just don't outlaw guns. I said, you know, well, what about England? She said, what about it? She said, we don't have guns. I said, yeah, but you have mass stabbings. She said, we do. <laughs> the problem in the guns, and I'm, I'm not advocating one thing or the other, and I'm not advocating getting rid of knives, but Jesus knew the answer. And so what happens is you'll hear this statement connected to murders. Why would somebody do something like that? Why would people do such a thing? That's what I'm saying. I don't care any news media. They, act, they don't know why people do things. Jesus knows why people do them. You know, the first unprovoked murder happened in the Bible. And it was as soon as man got full of hate and became selfish and walked away from God. You know, if we, I'm not an advocate for just putting the Ten Commandments in all schools, but they used to be in all schools. And uh, every kid all through their life would read one of the Ten Commandments that would say, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Day after day, thou shalt not murder. This is God's command, thou shalt not murder. This is God's command. Every day, thou shalt not murder. Let's remove those. Thou shalt not lie. Bear false witness. Now lying is okay. Thank you for your excitement. But hum humanity by itself does not solve humanity's problems period that is a fact humanity by themselves does not solve humanity's problem and jesus here had just if well let's read the 35th verse 
Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. What kingdom? His kingdom, the kingdom of God. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And notice this phrase, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. Well, they got all they need. No, they didn't. Because the very next verse says, but when he saw the multitude, now he had been just doing all this, telling them good news and all these things and healing and meeting all their needs. And you'd think just because people's needs are met, just because we live in a country that has prosperity does not mean that's it. Thank you. He said, but when he saw the multitude, the multitudes who had been healed, delivered, set free, it said he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Why were they like this? Because they were sheep. People are sheep. All people were created equal sheep. It's the truth. It's inherent in humanity that sheep are everywhere. And what happens without the right shepherd, people will gather their own shepherd. Somebody to guide them, whether it's right or wrong. It's inherent in humanity. Somebody said, I'm a leader. But there are no leaders that don't follow something. Whatever the ideology is, they're still following. You with me? And so he said, the problem with them is they're like sheep having no shepherd. So he was basically saying they're wandering around everywhere and they need somebody to shepherd them and guide them. And so verse 37 says, then he said to his disciples, and it's in the same context, the harvest truly is plentiful. What's he talking about? He's talking about going and getting the sheep connected to the good shepherd. If you're miserable in your life and you're like, well, I just, I'm not about religion, but you're miserable in your life. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Jesus. Well, I'm just not about Jesus. If you're miserable and weary in your life, Here's the answer. The world is out there like that. That's why people do the things they do. They try to fill themselves with stuff, drink it in, smoke it in, live it in, do whatever, and then they're still miserable. Thank you. But Jesus knew the answer. Sheep need a shepherd. But in order to get or become shepherded, you've got to be harvested, taken out of that field and brought into the fold, so to speak. Notice this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. What is the harvest? It's the sheep without a shepherd. He said, but the laborers are few. In other words, those who will go out and bring them 
to the shepherd, that, that number is not good enough. Notice, multitude, plenteous. When he saw the multitude, he said it's plenteous. But then he said there's only a few people that are actually harvesting. And so he said, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And what is his harvest? It's the people of the world. And what I find interesting is people in the world don't always want to be shepherded, but they do give themselves over to shepherds. They do. Whether they're shepherded by certain kinds of programming, music, whatever it is. Because people who say, I don't let nobody tell me what to do, they do all the time. Flat out, they do. I'm an independent thinker. Right. Reminds me of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Remember the one guy? He, he left. He was going to be an elf. And he set off. Because he just was a misfit, you know, with that group. And Rudolph's a misfit. misfit and they run into each other. And uh, they explain their aspirations and goals. And he said, I'm independent. He said, you are? He said, then I'm independent too. And then the little guy said, well, let's be independent together. <laughs> and there's a huge thought to that. How many people are like, well, I'm independent. I'll tell you when I'm independent. But no, you're not. You're probably independent with a bunch of people who say the same thing, and you're not. Thank you very much. Because people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm just independent. No, you're not. Nobody is independent. Now, some people may isolate themselves more than others, but sheep need a shepherd. People feed on things, and some things that they feed on actually are detrimental to them. You with me? Their thoughts get infected by things, and they wonder, what's the issue here? Because the only shepherd that really is ultimately to be the supreme over anybody is Jesus. I don't care if people are in other religions and people get mad at me for this. There is no fulfillment in life, and there is no way to heaven without Jesus. Period. It's not to be mean, but go to the world. I've traveled the world, and the things they have and the pursuits they make in all different kinds of religion don't bring fulfillment and love and patience and kindness and fullness and satisfaction. Because there's no eternal life in it. Jesus said the world needs to be harvested. And if people would take what I'm saying and look at the Bible, they would see it's true. Those things are all to divert people down a different path to keep them from what the Bible calls the good shepherd. 
There's difference between a shepherd and a good shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. And so there's a big difference. So notice this. He said that there's this huge harvest and the labors are few. And then verse 38, he said, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. God made humanity, all mankind. People who love the Lord should love all people and know that all people need to be harvested. Because notice he said all these sheep are a harvest field, and he said, send that labors into his, or my, not mine, mine, Jesus, my harvest. He wants to harvest people. Because why? Well, we've talked about this. There is a real hell. It does not help humanity to say, well, there's no hell. It doesn't. Because then people go, well, if there's no hell, then what's the problem? Well, there is one. Just as much as there is a real God. You know, I was talking about this story about this 20-something-year-old woman a short time back in California, drunk driving and way, way over the legal limit and killed three teenagers and now... She got sentenced. She's like 27 years old. She never went out to do this. And she went out and killed these kids, just mowed them over, didn't or plowed into them. And um, they gave her 51 years in prison. 51. She got little kids. She, she cried and said, I'm so sorry. And she's crying out and said, I'm never going to be able to hug my kids again. Please have mercy on me. She just killed three other kids. How horrible is that? But we know that when people are unbridled, they end up in prison because otherwise they're left in humanity, and then humanity suffers again and again and again. It's not that we hate the people. It's not that we hate people in prisons. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us it's something good to go to prison. Because he has some sheep in prisons. Some that are his and need, or some that need to, and then others that need to be harvested. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is there is naturally prisons for people who go against natural laws. If somebody's going around constantly murdering and killing and murdering and killing and murdering and killing, and we say, well, you're okay. Yeah, you said you were sorry. And then they go do it again. Wait a minute. They need to be locked up in the Bible. When they didn't have prisons, they'd be put to death. It's not because God hated them. It's not because we hate them. But left unbridled, they're going to be destroying lives one after the other after the other. And so we have natural prisons. There are people who need to be harvested the whole world. Jesus already died. 
so that when those people die, they don't have to go to the eternal prison. The earth, in some ways, shadows the unseen. Thank you. You with me? And I'm all for having mercy. When I was a youth pastor, I went to the courts to plead on the behalf of youth more than one time, more than two times. I've been to jail, not personally, like spent time other than going to visit people, you know, other than I did get arrested at Disneyland, but that's a different story. And, um, but this is not exactly the same, but I've been to Disneyland jail. Um, it's actually Orange County Police Department jail right in the middle. But um, that was last week, but that's a different story. I'll, no, that was years ago. But I would go to juvenile hall and visit different kids and, and, and that had gotten put in juvenile hall. Well, they do it because those kids were unbridled. And we would go reach, when I was a youth pastor, gang neighborhoods, and we'd bring some in. And I remember going to court one time and seeing this kid, and he had a book, like a manila folder, that was like four or five inches thick of all the things he's done. And then he started coming to church and started changing, and he had to go back for an appointment. I thought, I'll go to bat for him, you know. But the whole thing is, is if you keep messing up, or you're not going to change, or allow God's work in your life, that's a different story, because the looks of things, I mean, there were hundreds of offenses at this guy, and he was like 17 years old. And I know there are people who do dumb things, but I'm talking there are natural prisons on purpose. There's an eternal one. And so there are people who may strive against God. We still need to strive for them. We do. There may be people who strive against us. We need to strive for them. Remember when you just, when somebody invited you and the first time you went, okay, I'll come. I need Jesus so bad. It's not even funny. I'm ready. Remember how that was? Oh no, most of us don't remember that because that's not how it was. It was like getting dragged there, pushed there, pulled there. You know, your friends talked you into it. Oh brother. And how many times did it take? So don't be discouraged if somebody doesn't respond the very first time. Bribe them. I'll take you to lunch. I won't beat you up. You know, something. You with me? That, that last one, you need to interpret that different. But, you know, why? Because people who are lost are not always looking for a shepherd, though they don't realize they're submitting to things all the time. And so... If they need a shepherd, who's going to go? Who's going to go? If Jesus said there was a multitude back then, and then there's a multitude now. Turn to Romans, the 10th chapter. If there was a multitude back then, there is a multitude now. And a greater multitude. Or if it was plenteous then, it's plentiful. How, I don't know how you make that. Plentifully. That's if you speak English right. It's more plentiful. Okay, more plentiful if that helps. 
much more plentiful. It is. It's bigger. And there's a need for it. And I will say this, not that we reach them for self-serving things, but I'll tell you what, you get more people saved and more people walking with God, it'll make life on the earth better. Why? Because they'll get into places that teach forgive one another, love one another, be patient to one another, be kind to one another, be honest, and on and on, serve God, honor Him. Well, then people will, that will start affecting how they work, how they treat people, how they treat co-workers instead of always getting stabbed in the back. They'll be like, no, that, they were right, I was wrong. Because God will deal with them. When God's not in their life, they're an unbridled sheep or a goat. You with me? And so when people start walking with the Lord, things start changing. Notice this in Romans 10. This is the message or the way of reaching people. Romans 10 verse 8, and I'm going to try and go through this in just a five, about five, five minutes or so. It says, and what does it say? What does what say? It's talking about people looking to have an encounter with the Lord. Talks about praying, Lord, just show up or come up from the dead or come to us and do these things. And he said, that's not the approach of reaching people or people getting in contact with God. Now, we do know there are times that the Lord will appear to people, but it's fewer and further in between. But one thing we do know is his spirit will work like in a place like this or through individuals and, and other ways. But notice he said, but then if it doesn't do that and say, you know, come here and do this and arise from the dead and bring Christ up, then what does it do? But what does it say? Verse 8, he said, this is how it is. This is how people contact God. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. What is he saying? The message of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus paid for, it's near you. It's come to you. We bring it to people. And he said it's in two places, or it needs to be. It's in their mouth or in your mouth, and it's in your heart. Two places, in your mouth and in your heart. And he said that's the word of faith which we preach. If that was all that was said there, he said the message of the good news needs to be in a person's heart and needs to be in a person's mouth. In what way? Notice what he said, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth, here's the mouth part, the Lord Jesus, or take Jesus as your Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So notice, what is it that has come near us? The word of the truth in your heart and in your mouth. And he said, what's the truth or the good news? God raised Jesus from the dead you confess him as your Lord, and you will be saved. Seems so simple, and it is, but profound. Then he goes on to say how that part of it works. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Super simple, people believe and when they believe the right thing, 
Not the wrong thing, because people can believe the wrong thing. But when they believe the right thing and say the right thing, they'll be saved. It didn't say if you get baptized. It didn't say if you're a good member or you join the church or you attend regularly or you're good to everybody around you or you're bad. He just said, here's how it is. Somebody has to believe something right in their heart. Then they have to declare the right thing with their mouth. So it's narrow. And then he said that person would be saved. Now let's go down to verse 13. Now I understand this. This is a faith principle of how things work in a believer's life after they've given their life to the Lord too. But we're not looking at that today. Notice verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now remember, it's in the context of calling whoever. Doesn't matter whoever calls on his name will be saved. But we understand it's more than just calling. It's believing the right thing when you call. Right? So notice. And this is why God tells people to go bring people to here or go and tell people the right thing. In other words, bring them to a place like this. Become a bringer to harvest or reach them and bring them. But notice this, verse 14. How then shall they call? Now remember, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But notice verse 14. How? How? It's interesting because the next few verses will have the word how in it several times. Because we know if a person believes right in their heart, declares the right thing, and says... Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever. Verse 14. How then shall they call? How shall these sheep that need a shepherd call? Call on him in whom they have not believed. Well, because remember, you got to call, but you got to believe. So how can they call if they don't believe? Then notice the very next verse. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Think of this. This is a backwards progression or it's breaking it down. It's like going backwards. It's like going upstream to the source. And so he said, whosoever would call on the name of the Lord, but how will they call in him whom they have not believed? You can't call on him if you don't believe. And how will they believe in him or who they have not heard? He's teaching people how to harvest or to get sheep. The next thing says, so now we saw, How shall they call? How shall they believe? 
in him in whom they have not heard. The very next part says, and how shall they hear? So notice, how shall they call? How shall they believe what they haven't heard? Well, then how are they going to hear? So he's getting back to the beginning point of how it works. He said, without a preacher. Preacher doesn't mean me. It means anybody who will proclaim or share or tell. Think about it. Who in the world is going to, how's this going to happen? He said, without a preacher. So you could say it like this. A preacher that proclaims the right truth affects people's believing a certain way. When their believing gets affected right, then they can call or declare certain things. And when they call or declare certain things correctly, they'll be saved. So he's working on this progression. Notice verse 15, and how shall they preach or proclaim or tell? So there's that word again, how? So without a preacher, without somebody telling, how are they going to, how's this going to happen? In other words, to believe right, you got to hear. To hear, somebody's got to tell you. And who's telling? Notice verse 15. And how shall they preach, proclaim, share, unless they are sent? What did Jesus do to those people? He said, go. Reach them and bring them. Get these lost sheep. So notice the beginning of the progression starts with a commission to tell. We're to tell the good news to one another. Not the saving good news necessarily one another with us. We would tell other things that the Lord has. But to the world, we bring the good news. Now, we can shortcut some of this with the world. By saying, hey, come to church with me. Because then they would hear the good news right now. Right? Or through the preaching here. But notice there still has to be somebody going. Somebody telling. Somebody reaching. Because he says, how shall they preach unless they're sent? So what was the last thing Jesus said before he left? I love you guys. I'll be with you. But what, you know, when you get to church, when you sense the power of God, you're going to be blessed. He said, go. Go. Go, go. Right? Now, we should invite people to come and experience what's going on, and we should keep returning and experience the goodness of God and the greatness of God and His power and all these things, but at the same time, there should always be go. And this doesn't mean drop your job, quit your job, but it means there are people around us to reach. Notice what it says after. How beautiful, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. 
If you want true peace, it's only in Christ. He said, who gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So what are we telling people? Glad tidings of good things. You're going to hell. Well, that's not glad tidings of great joy. But it is the truth. But the good, you know, I just want to let you know you're going to hell. It's telling you the good news. That ain't good news. The good news is no matter what state anybody's in, Jesus is the answer. We've got the goods. You can have the goods they've been paid for. Jesus did the work. And so then it goes on to say, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does faith come? Some people think prayer. No, faith comes when we hear the word of God. So if you read that progression backwards, God has commissioned us all to tell. What has he told us to tell? The good news or bring them to a place to hear the good news. Why? Because they need somebody to tell them. Then what they can do is once they hear the right thing, they can believe right. That's why faith comes from hearing. Then once they believe correctly, they can call. And then whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How valuable is a person who goes? There is tremendous value in the kingdom of God for somebody who reaches somebody. Because it's crucial, it's the doorway for humanity to come in. You know, there are some Christians that would just do themselves a service, you know, to do certain things. You know, uh, uh, let me say this, sometimes people feel stuck in their spiritual walk with God. And so they're always looking for something more, something more, something more, and then they can experience more. They can experience God and go, yeah, and still not be unstuck. One reason is, is because people sometimes get the mistaken idea that if I just get more, I'll be good. But Jesus said, he who would seek to save his own life would lose his life. One of the great things that people need to know is, you were not only created to be a sheep, but you were created to go get sheep. And when, if you want to get unstuck, do. If you want to get unstuck from depression, go encourage somebody. You'll sense, I'm talking as a believer, you'll sense God working through you. Forgive somebody. Be kind to somebody. Plug in and start giving out in the church. And you'll start to find you'll get unstuck. Right? Meaning, if you drill a hole in the dam, I mean, if there's water behind the dam, 
it's just behind. But if you start drilling holes and the water starts flowing, everything down below starts getting affected. Whenever you start releasing things, you start getting unstuck yourself as a believer. It's a fact. Paul said it this way. He said, the reason why after being thrown in jail, he had a great time, uh, getting beaten with rods, stoned to death, and rising from the dead, and all this junk that happened to him, he said, I was able to finish my course and my whole life with joy because I did what God wanted, and I didn't live for myself. People don't realize that if water just stays stuck behind the dam, that's not good. And there are people gathering and gathering and thinking, what I need to do is gather. You do need to gather, but at the same time, you need a release. Some of the, you know, the big salt in sea. Why is it so salty? I don't know. There's no exit. There's no exit. Well, why is the Dead Sea dead? You know, we, there's a couple salt, one, one in California and one in Salt Lake, big bodies, because there's no exit. And the things in them, you know, or there, I should say no exit, there's not the exit that needs to be with an inflow and an outflow. You know, we know the Dead Sea, right? In the Bible and in Israel. You know, just one side thought as we close. There is a prophecy in the Old Testament that says, before the end would come, one of the signs right before the Lord would come. This is wild. That the Dead Sea would start having fish in it again and life. Certain types. And what's interesting this year, they found fish in it. Because what had happened was, somehow underwater springs started bubbling up and making pockets of fresh water. The fish swam up the little headway and started populating in these areas. There has to be an inflow and enough of an outflow and I would encourage you, if you feel stuck in your walk, look for an outflow. Look to reach somebody. Look to get involved and to be a giver. You with me? You know what stuck means? Seems like I'm not moving. Amen? Well, I knew you guys would be excited about that. Isn't God good? There's a world that's in need, and we got the goods.